0: This week's Torah portion is Balak. It is in the book of Numbers, chapter 22, verse 2. And it's a a famous story, a famous story about blessings and curses, Uh, which is a great topic, always, blessings and curses. In fact, this very morning, before I came in here to teach the Torah study, I had a, a meeting with one of our congregants who... His mother died um, about a month ago during, during this past month and um, who came to talk to me because he was feeling guilty about uh, his lack of grief over his mother's death and um, that he didn't feel like he was feeling what he was supposed to be feeling. And so he wanted to talk to me about it and uh, tell me about um, the nature of his relationship with his mother and the kind of person that she was, and how he grew up not being blessed by her, but being cursed by her all the time, wow. essentially um, and um, this, this, whatever the circumstances of his his childhood, uh, actually in his adulthood to the very end were um, and wrestling with the 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 emotional trauma. And the spiritual trauma of being in a situation, a typical sort of child situation, where your expectation is for blessings and, in fact, you keep looking for them but don't find them. And trying to figure out, and in his case, so we started talking about what kind of parent are you, because he has two children, Um, and how did your mother's negative parenting of you affect you as a parent? Um, and he readily admitted that she became his negative role model of exactly what not to do and how not to talk to his own kids. And, you know, and um, that that's sort of sitting on his shoulder his whole life as a parent, because um, he would hear his mother's cursing really, um, and way of talking to him and anger and whatever that she happened to to have uh, in her life directed toward him, uh, and therefore do the opposite with his kids, um, and part of that is pretty much how I experience the whole issue of blessings and curses. Anyway, uh, which is that the Torah is filled with them, you know, and it's filled with lessons about blessings and curses. And you know, in, in Deuteronomy we have, you know, the, the what I often quote, the, the famous. Line of, uh, I set before you this day good and evil, you know, life and death, blessing and curse. And then it ends choose life. Um, But uh, I often point out, as I will this moment, that what it doesn't say is I set before you good or evil, life or death, blessing or curse. It says you get it all blessing and curse, good and evil. And all of us in our lives know that that's the reality of life you don't nobody just has one nobody just has all the good in the world and everything's always coming up roses and 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 no curses that is no evil and no negative things in life to be a human being from birth to death <clears throat> whether rich or poor no matter what country you live in no matter what language no matter what culture no matter what religion is to encounter the complexity and messiness and fullness of what life is, which uh, is all of this. It's the good and the bad. And uh, as with this uh, young man I was speaking with earlier today, you don't get to vote on how other people act. You don't get to vote on how other people treat you. What you do get to vote on is what you do with that and how you react to it and what you take out of it and what you learn from it and how you then choose to behave yourself and how you choose to talk and the words that come out of your mouths. And, you know, that's the choices that we have um, in spite of what goes on in the world around us and sometimes because of what goes on in the world around us and how we grow up and what our relationships are, siblings, parents, kids, you know, friends, community, all of the messy and complexity of what life is all about. So here we have a story today, um, which I'm supposed to be talking about, which is, um, in fact, Toward the end of the forty years of wandering of the Israelite journey in the desert, they've already had a couple of great uh, military victories along the way, with people getting in their way and not wanting to let them pass, and and uh, they having to fight for the right to, uh, to kind of Israel's fate. It seems to this very day, having to fight for the right to exist and to try to live in peace. And they're successful so far. And now here we have Balak, the son of Zippor, who sees that all that Israel had done, as it says, to the Amorites. That's how this portion begins, which is that they they were victorious over them. And uh, Balak is the king, essentially, of Moab, the Moabites. And because he's concerned about the Israelites and their military successes and their military might, he um, wants to figure out how he can gather whatever support and resources possible to defeat them. And so he goes with an age-old way of doing it. Let me find a famous <laughs> cursor to curse them, you know, someone who is a prophet, a prophetic kind of voice, a kind of person who's, who, can, who can knows how to curse, you know. Um, I was. I was uh, so he hires Bilam. Anyway, so it says Moab was alarmed because that people was so numerous. Moab dreaded the Israelites. Moab said to the elders of Midian, "Now this horde will lick clean all that is about us, as an ox licks up the gate grass of the field." This sort of powerful expression of fear that we're going to be wiped out ourselves. So Balak, son of Zipporah, who was king of Moab at the time, sent messengers to Balaam, son of Beor in Petor, which is by the Euphrates in the land of his kinsfolk, to invite him, saying, there's a people that came out of Egypt. It hides the earth from view, meaning there's a lot of them. Uh, right? And it settled next to me. Come then, put a curse upon this people for me. Since they are too numerous for me, perhaps I can thus defeat them and drive them out of the land, for I know that he who you bless is blessed, and he who you curse is cursed. Now, pop quiz question is, this is an interesting phrase, I know, says Balak to Bilam, who was not an Israelite priest, or Israelite prophet, that those who you bless are blessed, and those who you curse are cursed. Is there any stir? Any memories? This phrase is an interesting phrase. Those who you bless are blessed, and those who you curse are cursed. Um, you may remember, or you may not. So I won't ask you. That when Abraham first comes up, gets blessed by God. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's exactly what Abraham says. God says to Abraham. Your people will be as numerous as the sands of the sea and the stars of the heavens and those who bless you will be blessed and those who curse you will be cursed. So and here we are a long time later of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, hundreds of years of Jacob's descendants being slaves in Egypt and eventually they get out of Egypt and now they're wandering here and and this little phrase comes back again in relationship to Bilam, who is in the process of being hired by Balak to curse. So actually, the first question I always have when I read this section right here is, why, if Balak believes that Bilam has the power to bless or curse, why does he choose curse? Why doesn't he say, I want to hire you to bless me. I want to hire you to bless my people. So that we will be blessed.
1: He didn't have the money to build a wall.
0: Exactly. <laughs>
2: yes. What? Uh-huh. Um,
0: Why? Yes. Because
2: it, because of good inclination and evil inclination, which is a constant battle with yeah. us, it's so much more fun and so much easier to go straight to the negative. Ah and say, um, let's make them weak instead of making me... I want to make my enemy weak instead of making myself strong. It's a lot easier, less
0: effort. Interesting. It's like focusing on the enemy, focusing on the other. How can I put down the other rather than how can I make myself better in, in that sense, or stronger, or more successful? Let me see if I can, you know... Denigrate. Denigrate another.
1: A way of shifting responsibility. Mm-hmm. Oh. If Balak was blessed, then Balak would still have to go and defeat yes. the exactly. Israelites. Efforts. This way, this, okay, right. Balak, you curse them, then I won't have to do anything. Exactly.
0: Kind of. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. It's beautiful. It's hiring, wants to hire a surrogate to take care of the problem. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, they really believe that the words of someone like this brought things about.
0: Yes. Yeah. The, look. Very sincere. Mm-hmm. It seems
2: very sincere, like they yeah they, yeah yeah do you, believe that? <clears throat> no, it's not. you know that's
0: the thing about about the ancient world and about um, about um, the Torah. Uh, let's think about um, Isaac, our ancestor Isaac, and Jacob and Esau, and the whole famous story of Jacob stealing Esau's blessings. That's what does that mean? You know, Isaac was there, in the story. His eyes were dimmed. He couldn't see. He was on his deathbed. Well, not exactly, but apparently he was on his deathbed. And he said to his oldest favorite son, Esau, Go out and, you know, hunt, bring me some game, and I'll, so I can give you blessings. And, you know, Rebecca overhears it and tells Jacob, Okay, your, your dad's going to give blessings quick. Here, let me make you food. You go in, pretend you're Esau, and get the blessings. And Jacob, you know, reluctantly, but uh, cause, only because of fear, he comes in and he does that and he gives the food. And, and Isaac says, you know, who, who are you? And he says, I am Esau, your favorite son. You know, give me your blessings. And so he does, right? So he has a whole bunch of blessings. He gives them all but one. He gives him his blessings. He then Jacob then leaves. Then Esau comes in. And says, "Here, Dad. Here's the food." And he goes, "Wait a minute. Who are you?" And he goes, "I'm Esau." He said, "No, no, no. I just—you were just here." He said, "No, it wasn't me." You know, and 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 Isaac is bereft and you know upset and oh my God, I just gave my blessings away. What does that mean? I gave my blessings away. A night. You know right? night. Because in our world, he would just go, oh, "That son of a gun." You know, Jacob. Come here, Esau. Here, here's the blessings. You know.
1: What? I remember as a kid, I was always taught sticks and stones can break your bones, but words will never hurt you. Right. Said, well, it's just words. Right. And this gets back to, you're talking about the, that words themselves <clears throat> have power. After all, how did God create the universe? Yeah. Genesis. Yeah.
0: By work. By God, by God spoke. By God spoke, and the f- and world came to be. There's an interesting? Baruch prayer. she'amar v'hayah olam says the prayer. Blessed is the one who spoke, and the world came to be. You know, words... In the Torah, in the ancient world, they weren't. There's no such thing as as Bert says, mere words. Words had a had weight. They had substance. It was like here, I'm giving you my blessing. It's a thing you walk away with, you know. Or my curses. It's a real thing. It had power. You but know. it's
2: finite, according to the yes, might yes. have so many. Yes, yes,
0: it. that's right. You 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 could bless. Well, in, in the ancient world, that whole blessing, cursing thing is interesting because there clearly were um, categories of blessings. I, I can give you the blessing of fecundity—you should have lots of kids, or you should, your, your crops should grow. You know, it's a blessing of this, or a blessing of health, or a blessing of—you know—and and those were the categories of blessings. That and one of them, the only one left actually, that I, Isaac didn't give to to uh, Jacob. Was the blessing of sort of military strength in the sense he gave that to Esau, um, that kind of power. But there's physical power, there's spiritual power, there's there's food, there's you know. And exactly, they were finite things. Here they are. Here's my here's my list of them. I give them to you, and now I don't have them anymore because I gave them away. So yeah, I mean that's that's otherwise the story wouldn't make any sense. But the story makes sense because they believed the curses mattered. You know, I mean, that's what I say all the time words matter. And we know words matter. I mean.
1: There's another parallel here, yeah. based on what you brought up about uh, mm. Abraham. Yeah. And that is behind a lot of these stories is who's in charge, who mm. has the power. And the Torah says God, it's God that has the power. It's God always, and yes. He, right. And here, the ultimate as the story unfolds that it will be one more proof, as it was at the Sea of Reeds, that God has the ultimate power, Ultimately. and not,
0: in this case... And more. even, and, you see, there's two messages going on in this story, two big messages. Message number one is that human beings can plan and God laughs. That human beings can plan and God does whatever God chooses to do. That's one of the messages. But the other underlying message is that you can... You can um, plot, and you can plan, and you can try to destroy us, but ultimately, God's on our side. So ultimately, the Jewish people slash the Israelites, the children of Israel, are blessed by God, protected by God, as long as we do the right thing, as long as we follow God's ways, because that keeps coming up over and over again, if you this, then, if you keep following my ways and doing my commandments and my mitzvot, then everything will be hunky-dory, and if you don't, you'll end up. Being spread all over the world, which of course we were in the end anyway. So, um, but someday I'll bring you back, and so here we are. But, but that part of the message is, you can hire whoever you want to try to kill us and wipe us off off the face of the earth, but ultimately we're still here, and that's what this story is about. Ultimately, God still is going to direct and make sure that the, that the Israelites continue to be blessed in that sense. But there's
1: a there's a flip side to that. Yeah. And that is that if bad things happen, it's because the Israelites or the Jews did something bad, and that gets into the whole theory of like the Holocaust was punishment. Or well, so it, it. Yes, but we will not go to today. But I mean, the good, the good side yes, is great. Yes. But when you look at the bad side, you look at a child who has cancer. You know, <clears throat> is that punishment to right. somebody?
0: Right. Yeah. Which it clearly isn't. The by the way, if you're listening, it's but not. This, but um <laughs> Yes, that look um you know part of the the challenge of of theology um and of any of these texts and um searching for the lessons in the texts is um, is trying to be realistic at the same time that is not allowing ourselves to um to have the lessons appear to be absolute. That there's, you know, that that everything is about um, reward and punishment. And that because in fact it's not. Uh, on, uh, you know, the the in the details it's not. In the broad stroke it is. It's like you know why do we have global warming going on unless you're a Republican? Why we have global warming going on? Sorry, for those who are listening. The we have global warming going on because of how we acted, because we did this, we did that, and we pollute the air, and we pollute the sea, and we pollute this and whatever, and all of a sudden, oops, there's a price to pay. Just like the Torah says, if you follow my rules and you, and you live your lives in accordance with the highest principles of <clears throat> respect for the environment, for the world, which is, after all, one of the very first mitzvot that we have as human beings in the Garden of Eden is, God says, here's the world, Your job, Adam and Eve, is human beings, is to take care of it, to tend it. It's your garden, because if you don't, and the Midrash says from Genesis, Rabbah, a couple thousand years ago if you don't take care of it, no one's going to come after you to fix it. If you screw it up, which we certainly are doing as best we can. So, you know, in the broad scheme of things, it's true that there was cause and effect in the world. What we do matters, you know, it's what we say matters blessings and curses we bring blessings and curses into the world for sure doesn't mean every individual thing that happens is a direct result of i didn't do the right mitzvah i didn't light candles on friday night so you know i got a cold this week
2: um i don't know if i'm jumping ahead but we're talking about blessings and curses yes and i read all the commentary nobody talks about the lovely lady donkey who has a lot to say. Why isn't anyone talking about the talking donkey in yes. the sorrow portion?
0: Yes, well, we'll talk about that in one second because I love I love that. Okay, so let's read it. Okay. We'll, let's, we'll get there and otherwise we'll never get there at all. Okay. So, uh, where was it? Oh, yes. So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian versed in divination set out. So they come to Bilam. They give him Balak's message. He said, spend the night here and I'll reply to you as Adonai may instruct me. So already it's an interesting. Weird. It's weird. Yeah. It has the appearance of strangeness. Because what do you mean? I, it's not, I, he's I, not an Israelite. Yeah. He's a non-Israelite. <laughs> and if he says, i got to check with God. The, the Jewish God. That is the God that we're... That's, you know, but it's the Torah. That's why, number one. Uh-huh. And number two, there's, there are multiple lessons going on. And one of the lessons that's going on here is our God... Adonai Echad. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Elohim, Adonai Echad. Listen, Israel, there's only one God. People may think there's all these different gods out there. They may build statues and idols and whatever. They may call God by all kinds of different names, which is why the Talmud says there are 70 names for God. But it's the same. There's one power. That's why the Torah begins the way the Torah begins. Why, the rabbis ask, does the Torah begin with Barashit Barah Elohim et HaShemayim v'taharetz in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth? Why doesn't it begin with Abraham? Why doesn't it begin with Lech It's all about the Jews. Why doesn't it start with the Jews? and on purpose obviously it starts with Bereshit because so that by the time we get to us we know it's and and there's adonai talking to Abraham, isaac, jacob, moses, all these people we know oh that's the same power that created the whole universe it's not a, it's not a little personal private god this is a way of, rem- of teaching and reminding us that our god isn't private it's not the god of the jews it's not the god of the israelites it's the god of everybody happens to speak to Moses happens to speak to whatever, and doesn't only speak to Moses, and doesn't only speak to the Jews. And if you're able to listen, no matter who you are, you can hear the voice of God in that sense. And here it is. You know, Bilam was smart enough to also, the other way you may, the way you may think about this is, what's Bilam being asked to do? He's being asked to curse who? Israel. The Israelites. Yes. So it makes sense for him, if he's a diviner he's someone who like checks out with the divine to check out with the God of the Jews to see well what's going on over here is it okay okay? this is the God who according to Balak was supporting the Israelites in defeating the Amorites and defeating all these other people that they Ag of Bashan and people like that earlier so it makes sense for him to check with that particular deity to make you know in his mind even if it was a narrow deity But the the overall purpose, I believe, of the way the Torah was written this way is to show that God speaks to everybody. If you listen, you don't have to, you know, it's not a private God. So God came to, and so God shows up, of course, because.
1: The assumption is, well, Balaam is asleep.
0: Yeah, in a dream. The assumption here is in a dream. Uh, because, in fact, that's part of the rabbinic way of understanding how God communicates is that God speaks to everybody in a dream, prophets in a dream, except for Moses, who God speaks to face to face like you and I would speak to each other, and which is what sets them apart. Otherwise, God shows up in your dreams. You know, Which can be a scary thought when you think about your dreams. But, and to yes, think that's God. I knew it was. Where which I is I like, was that's where God's showing up. That's, you know. <laughs> that not the first thing God says. God takes many forms. And
1: the first thing Bolam says is, oh, by the way, this wasn't my idea. Right. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and God says, what do these always want of you? Balaam said, Balakson of Zippor, king of Moab, sent me this message. It didn't come from me. Here's the people that came out of Egypt, hides the earth, come now and, and curse them. But I think maybe I can engage them in battle and drive them off. But God said to Balaam, don't go. You can't curse them. They're blessed. Hmm. Yeah. Now, part of this, the drama of this story is Balaam is for sale. Yeah. Hmm. You know, that's the whole point. He's coming to buy him, to rent his, his words,
2: curses. his curses <laughs>
0: um, uh, Jews are big on curses. Well, Yiddish curses. Yiddish has f- great curses. Yes. I don't know Yiddish, but I know some of the Yiddish curses. My favorite Yiddish curse. Let's see. Anybody have a favorite Yiddish curse? Please. Yes. You go poop
2: in the ocean. That's all right. <laughs> go cuck it off and yell. That's what my grandmother used to say when she got very angry
0: at someone. Anybody else have a... I like hey. that one.
2: <laughs> you have never Famous heard that
0: one? curse. Yeah, I like that one. I
2: don't know if I can do on that one. You like an onion with your head in the Yes, oh,
0: you hey. yes, your head on the ground and your feet in the air. When I was a kid, one of
1: the curses, I don't think it was Yiddish, though, is your mother wears army shoes. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, that's good. not Yiddish. But that
0: was not Yiddish? No. No, my favorite one is, uh, may all of your teeth fall out and only one remain and may it have a toothache in that one. <laughs> that's a famous Yiddish fr- okay, curse. Okay, so, um, so Bill Amroz gets up and he says to Balak's dignitaries, go home. God won't let me do it. So they left. They come to Balak. They say, Balam refused. So he sends them back again.
1: So again, he's passing the buck.
0: Again. He, he takes
1: responsibility to God. And now he didn't say, I decided not sorry to Sorry about do how this. cold
0: it is in here. Yes. Oh, I thought it get colder. Yeah, all of a sudden, it's, it's blasting cold. So Balak sent more. More numerous, more distinguished, richer, tries to buy him off, says, don't refuse to come. I'll reward you richly. I'll do anything you ask of me. Just come and damn these people for me. So Balam says, well, even if you gave me a house full of silver and gold, that's like how you bargain. Even if you gave me uh, more and more and more, I wouldn't come unless you, I mean, which eventually does. So I, you know, I, I can't do whatever God, contrary to what God says. So, but you guys stay here overnight. Let me find out what else God says to me. I'll check again just in case. That night God came to Balaam and said, if these envoys have come to invite you, you can go with them. But whatever I command you, you shall still do.
1: Uh-huh. I have a question. He yes. says, the Lord my God.
0: I know. He does. Strength. He literally says that. Yeah.
1: Elohim.
0: Yes. I know. Okay. And, and I have often wrestled with that personally because the text is only the text. If you ignore the commentary, it looks like he's an Israelite. Right. You know. Um, but everybody, every commentary, every from the very beginning clearly has said he's not because of his lineage because he's the son of Tzippur who was, who was king of Moab now I mean uh, he's the Amorite so Bilam is allegedly an Amorite so um, Balak is the son
1: of Tzippur.
0: yeah Balak is the son of Tzippur. Um Balam
1: is the son of Beor
0: yeah who according to the text was not an Israelite so you know He's, he's, it would make, in a sense
1: it would make more sense the text if he were in Israelite. Like, yes. it makes sense that he would be asking God
0: and that it, would, would... it would but then it, take, it takes away sort of the universality of the whole thing so he rose in the morning, he saddled his ass he departed with the Moabite dignitaries God was incensed at his going he said you could go here's the po- power, another little lesson in free will God says you can go it's like you say your kids Okay. You can you can go, but you know, it's your choice. You want to go to that party? It's your choice. But I prefer that you don't, but it's your choice. You know, if you're going to choose to go right instead of left, there's consequences. So, he had permission. Otherwise, you know, if we don't have free will after all, this is the whole fundamental issue about ethics in the first place. If you can't choose because God forces you to stay home, then you know you don't get any credit for doing the right thing ever because it's, it's, it's not your choice. The whole the point of ethics is choice, is choosing and constantly being faced with choices and then figuring out what the right choice is, what the better choice is. So, he, so God gets upset, and uh, so an angel of God took a position on his way to try to stop him. this is the famous talking donkey story. (laughs) So he was riding on a donkey, a she-ass, it says here, with his two servants alongside. And when the ass caught sight of the angel of God standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, the ass swerved from the road and went into the fields. So part of the story is just, of course, fanciful and crazy that there's an angel standing there with a sword, and only the animal sees it. but that's part of the many, many layers of this is, what do you mean? This guy is allegedly someone special, a seer. Mm-hmm. He is a seer, but he couldn't see. Mm-hmm. The seer couldn't see. Beca- All right.
2: Well, anyone who has dogs and cats gets this. Yes, right,
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, they'll let you know when there's an earthquake coming. Yes. Um, so he swerved, and Bilam beat the ass to turn her back onto the road. The angel of God then stationed in the lane between the vineyards and the fence on either side. Then the angel showed up there. The ass, seeing the angel of God, pressed herself against the wall and squeezed Bilam's foot against the wall. So he beat her again. Once more, the angel moved forward and stationed himself on a spot so narrow that there was no room to swerve right or left. Finally, boxed him in. You know, first in the road, then he moved off the road, then he went there, then he moved over, he keeps trying to get away from him, and finally he stuck. Now the ass saw the angel of God. She lay down because she couldn't go anywhere. So she just dropped, and Balaam was furious and beat the ass again three times. He's already hitting this thing. Then God, because God can do anything, opened the ass's mouth, and she speaks. And she says, what have I done to you? You've beaten me these three times. Balaam said, and of course, Balaam, without missing a beat. (laughs) Continues the conversation, doesn't go, what the hell? What, are you, what do you mean you're talking to me? You never talked to me before, all of a sudden you're talking to me. Where have you been all my life? You know how much money I could make with you? No. What, what, what have I... Bilam says, you made a mockery of me. If I had a sword with me, I'd kill you. You know, kill the messenger. So many different wonderful story layers here. The ass said to Balaam, look, I am the ass that you have been riding all along until this day. Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? And he answered, No. Then God uncovered Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of God standing in the way, his drawn sword in his hand, whereupon he was smart enough to bow down to the ground. And the angel said to him, Why have you beaten your ass these three times? It is I who came out as an adversary, for the errand is obnoxious to me. And when when the ass saw me, she shied away because of me those three times. If she had not shied away from me, you are the one I should have killed while sparing her instead of you killing her like you just said you wanted to do. Balaam said to the angel, I erred because I didn't know that you were standing in my way. If you still disapprove, I'll turn back. But the angel said this. I love the contradictions of this story. The angel said to Balaam, go, go, go with these envoys. This is the same, same message all over again. But you must say nothing except what I tell you. So Balaam went. Okay, so... Before we go on, which we may never do, but um, in fact, so here's the story. Here's a whole Torah, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and we all know there's only one other time when any animals are speaking to humans. Not even animals. What?
2: Let's see. In the
0: Garden of Eden.
2: Oh, wow. oh, the, I snake. Snake.
0: I the snake. The snake. The only other time in the whole Torah that any animal is speaking is the snake to Eve going, tss, tss, you know, only time, right? And the Garden of Eden story is so clearly a non-normative story and all the rest of it's like as if, as if it's historical reality even though it's not necessarily but it's, it's certainly written that way. Right, written that way, with as if it's real people having real conversations, getting into fights, doing whatever you know, slavery and freedom and fighting and wars and, and all of a sudden, Mitten Drennan in the middle of everything. And the only time there's this talking donkey. Okay, what? Well, first of all, why do you think that's happening? What's going on? What's with the talking donkey? Why do you have an animal talking? Well, how do you feel about because it? Because
1: you never know.
0: <laughs> you
1: never know where. It, I get back to Jacob and that one of my favorite lines in the Torah: "God was in this place, and I didn't and know it." And I didn't it. know. Yes. That sometimes you don't know where God is present or where your guidance is coming from. In this case, it's an animal
0: who you, seems to
1: be more right than the man.
0: Yes, smarter, clearly. The,
1: the animal sees things. And if an animal can see more than us, call home, call call home, a home
0: yes, how much the more how much, so.
1: How much more so other people might be able to see more than us, and that we should be open and listening to them. You
2: know, and mm-hmm. I look, just like you, Carol, laughed. Um, I said if you have a dog or a cat, and you made a joke about, you know, about the earthquakes, that perhaps, if we took a breath and paid more attention, when the natural world is not doing what's expected, we'd have more insight and we'd make wiser choices.
0: Yeah, you know, the Talmud says, "Ezul chacham, who is wise, halomed mi kol adam, the one who learns from everyone, from anyone," um, and. The reality of life is nobody has talking donkeys on the one <laughs> hand, on the other hand, we communicate in lots of different ways you certainly there 's a reason why it 's increasingly popular to have service animals you know um,
2: emotional service animals yeah,
0: emotional service animals right. you know because people because they serve. Because they communicate, you know, the unconditional uh, love and, and affection that you get from animals that you don't get from humans, the lack of judgment, the, you know, the no matter what you did, you come back and the next time they're still there going, hi, you know, here I am, you know, uh, the nurturing, the, uh, all of us, you, hmm? yeah, all of that, you know, which, which happens is, uh, is real. It's not made up, not just in your head. And is powerful, and you know how do where are all the places that we can learn from? Clearly, one of the lessons of this is that you can if you 're open, just like it was Bilam who could hear God, our God, the Israelite God, um, that God appears in many ways, God appears in many places. Um, I love you know Bert's reference to Yesharonaibu makom hazev anochi lo yedati. God is in this place, and I didn't know. It's one of my favorite lines in the Torah too, because it's exactly right. You're supposed to wake up in the morning and go, where can I find God? You know, where do I find God? I find God in our relationships with people. I find God in the fact that my body that I got that I woke up and that I can move and I can show and I can pick something up and all the different things and you know the the, the miracles of our everyday life. The everyday miracles of uh, from birth to death and from dawn to dusk, you know, are so often invisible to us only because we aren't open to them. We—it's a, it's a matter of consciousness. That's what consciousness is all about: is being present in the moment. That's why you do the meditations and all the things you do to, in fact, be grounded, you know, and not be so ah, running and moving and as I tend to do myself that you miss the world. You know, you miss what's out there. You know, it's this stop and smell the flowers kind of comment because they're there, and if you're so intent on, you know, the traffic, you don't notice that there's, that there's beauty out there in the world. Yeah.
2: And also, there are miracles in nature, and there's miracles outside of nature. So when I take a look at this lovely talking she, she yes. she's got a lot to say. Yes, um, you look at when the sun stood, stood still. Yeah, and um, in the Talmud, sea parted, the sea parted, or in the Talmud when the river ran backwards. Yes, right. Um, and that you can take a look at when there's a miracle outside of nature, you need to halt, and then pay extra special attention.
0: Now what's interesting is I'm glad you mentioned that the rabbis um, of Traditional commentary rabbis, as opposed to contemporary rabbis, mm-hmm. obviously had an issue here so talking donkey you know it 's like, uh, how can a donkey That's be talking s- suddenly you know, mm-hmm. so they had to figure out oh how, how they could explain this because there aren 't any other animals talking in the rest of the world, and because they believed and they taught that um, God set the world in motion and then the world follows the course of nature that God set up. You know, there's a whole powerful section in the Talmud where they say, if the world were absolutely just and you stole some seeds and planted them, they wouldn't grow. But the fact of the matter is, the seeds don't care whether you stole them or paid for them. If you plant them and you water them and you take care of them, they'll grow because the world follows its natu- natural pa- way. They, in the same section, they get even more graphic. They say if there was absolute justice in the world, then if a man forces himself on a woman, she wouldn't get pregnant because it's clearly a violation. But it often happens that whether a man forces himself or not, she does get pregnant, just like the seed you plant, because the world follows it, the natural, the, the way of nature, because that's the way God is. And then they see this, in which the world is not following the way of nature because donkeys don't talk. And so what they say is, There were ten things that God created before God created the world that manifested themselves later in the world that appeared to be out of nature, but they aren't really because God created them in the very beginning, just like God created the heavens and the stars going around. And and one of those things, I can't remember all ten of them, but one of those things was this. Uh One of those things was um, hmm? Yes, God created certain things like like repentance, um, but God created some um, God created the sun standing still. Oh, when uh, in the book of Joshua, the sun stands still. God created certain things that that before that were part of the the pre creation creation, so that they were actually part of nature.
2: God, we know this.
0: We only know this because they made they said so. Because they had, it was the only way they could come up to trying to justify this.
1: Repentance was created before there were people? Yes,
0: repentance is a f- fundamental um, uh, uh, attribute of the universe, say the rabbis, the idea of repentance what before people. Repent repentance. It was sitting waiting for people. Waiting for repentance people. was there waiting for people to come because knowing God knew the nature of human beings is we screw up. We screw up, and therefore, it's necessary for us to be able to fix ourselves and to repent and to change. And if if change weren't possible, then and repentance weren't possible, then we would be condemned constantly by the things, that, the bad choices that we make. But in fact, we have Yom Kippur every year because, even though we constantly screw up and make bad choices. We have the opportunity. Repentance is there, waiting for us to come back to the right fold. Yeah,
2: I'm a little lost in this section, but I keep seeing this. You must must say nothing except what I tell you. Right, and that's resonating for me because I grew up with a parent that was very. This is the way. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. your. That's your structure. You need to be. That. So how is that? Is that a theme?
0: know Of doing what God says.
2: Well, it's this repetitive, you must say nothing, not do nothing but even say nothing except what I tell you. That's more than doing
0: even. Yes, um, well, here it's because this is the, the, the content of the story is curse. Mm-hmm. come curse, I want you to curse. I want you to curse. And, and the bigger theme uh, uh, for me always is turning curses into blessings mm-hmm. that life is about, the challenge of turning curses into blessings because shitty things happen all the time and uh, things that we can't control. So, you know, that's what it's about. It's about um, looking back on your own life at the things that at the time were, were the curses of your life. Sometimes it was broken relationships. Sometimes it was a professional You know, challenges, losing your job, getting fired, making the bad choices. Sometimes it's parenting-related things with your parents, with your kids. Sometimes it's with friendships. Sometimes it's with you know, I had a fire in my house, you know, um, but I had ten months of uh, being on vacation, uh, you know, up in Santa Monica or whatever. Um, And and how you take the negatives and turn them into positives in your own life. That that's the challenge, one of the fundamental challenges of our lives, is to transform cursing curses into blessings um, so to me that 's sort of one of the meta lessons of the story is that that um, we have the opportunity to take situations which look like they 're going to be cursings and instead see them as or transform them into blessings. Yes.
1: When life gives you lemons, make lemons.
0: All of that. Yeah,
1: we go all the effort.
0: Exactly, but they're there for a reason. You know, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, one of my close friends uh, just got diagnosed with leukemia, and um, she instantly, she's in New York, she instantly, this last two weeks, she, so she instantly went into the hospital and is having chemotherapy, and, you know, they're pouring poison into her. That's what they do. Uh, and... Um, you know, and the goal is to turn the poison into medicine, to you know, turn the curse into the, the blessing of health and, and wholeness and healing, which is what we all want. And sometimes it happens, and sometimes it doesn't, but it does also happen. You know, it doesn't always happen, but it happens. That you know, I mean, I, I'm only here at Ki because I didn't get a job that I applied for at another synagogue at, in you know Northridge that I desperately wanted. Uh, I thought. Um, I certainly didn't desperately want it. I wanted this one, but I didn't know that because I wanted that one. Um, you know, and then they turned me down, and I was devastated. that they, How could they not hire me? I'm so good. You know, it's like, what do you mean they didn't hire me? Um, and but, uh, your friend
2: the yeah,
0: so my friend, the cantor. Yes, my friend, the job. cantor, got the job instead. But um, <laughs> her job. So, um, yeah, you know.
2: Well, that message,
0: I You know, so th- there it was, and I was I was upset. a bit, been, you know, certainly, and then you know, stumbled onto Ki, and thirty years ago, I've been here thirty years now, um, and, and you know, and everybody has stories like that.
1: Can we go back, you, yeah. you were you were talking about that idea from the Talmud that God kind of created the earth, and then it ran.
0: Yes. And by, and
1: by itself. Well,
0: nature, nature, N- God, nature. Cre- God created the laws of nature. It's really what I meant to say.
1: Oh, okay. No, okay, because, uh, no, no,
0: no, no I that. didn't mean that God was like the watchmaker that set the watch going and, right. then, did, didn't deism- uh, and then disappeared. Yeah. Uh, God created the laws of nature and God no. doesn't counter the laws of nature is really the rabbinic notion. God, you can't pray to God to uh, stop the river. Have the rain go up? <laughs> or have the rain go up? You can't do that because the world follows its natural course. That—that that was the point of the, that's why the rabbis have those stories in the Talmud with the seeds and the rape and whatever. Because you—it's—it's it's a wrong prayer. There are right prayers and wrong prayers in Jewish tradition. There are things you—it's not appropriate to pray for, you know. And it's—in fact, they call them silly prayers. There are silly prayers, praying that you know something, praying that something that's already happened. Unhappens.
1: Not to be sick.
0: Yeah, is a silly prayer, you know, because you are. You're, you It happened already, you know. Um, you
1: can pray for the strength to combat leukemia, but you can't pray to not have leukemia. She's got, got it.
0: Leukemia. She's got it already. So you know what I mean. And and so there are certain prayers that are called. Uh, Stupid prayers, actually, in the Talmud. Another
1: example I heard you hear a fire engine. That's the one. You hear a fire engine and, and you pray to God that it's Not my house. It's burning.
0: Yeah, that's a stupid prayer, says the Talmud. Literally. It's one of my favorite ones. Yeah. You, it says, if you, you hear it, to is either burning or not
1: it's, burning.
0: It's already burning. Something's burning. The way God does, works and doesn't work, says the Talmud, is God doesn't, isn't going to go. Oh my God, Bert! I'm sorry. I didn't realize it was your. I didn't realize it was your house. The fire. Something goes, goes next door. You know, to, to my house because I wasn't praying because Bert was. Yes. Because that's not the you way.
1: Could, you could pray to have the strength to survive if it was your house.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. You know what you pray for is that the firemen, fire people, right. get there quickly enough to put the fire out. That right. they're safe. You know, and that nobody gets hurt. What
2: are you supposed to do? You're supposed to say uh, a shema every time
0: you hear a siren. Yeah. You, you pray that nobody gets hurt. You know, that kind of thing. So, you know, which, I mean, clearly, I had a fire, so I know. So, you know, it doesn't, you, you, you can't pray for the nature to not, to reverse itself.
1: Like not to be pregnant.
0: Yeah. You know, you either are, you either are, or you're not. You either are, or you're not. You know, you can pray for lots of things, but praying for the, you know, that when you hear the fire engine, that it's not your house. You can do it, but it's a stupid prayer. Because it can't be answered. I have a question. Yeah.
2: Um, the, the Chabad rabbi said, yes. I'm, I'm friendly with uh, the with human especially uh, Levy, he said that if you take a look, you can actually change or shift the decree of heaven. If,
0: By doing mitzvahs?
2: Well, yeah, not, that's good, but <laughs> this is uh, not, not quite, that if you take a look at the word surus and you see that it has O-R which is also light, mm-hmm. and if you are a grand detective, and you take a look at something that looks like a curse, you find the Hebrew letters that look like a blessing, mm-hmm. and you concentrate on the Hebrew letters that turn it from Not like that. That's sweet. To, into light, you can actually shift the decree of heaven. What do you make of that?
0: I make of it if it makes you feel good. <laughs> okay. And you see, all <laughs> and gives you an alternative way of. Uh, you know, okay. it's like, uh, look.
1: Well, that's assuming ke- that heaven decrees. Yes. yes. So, which is a completely other. Absolutely. Cer- certainly, uh, I would think Reconstructionism would so, not accept yeah. that kind of an idea.
2: Okay, gotcha.
0: No, no, it, it's true, but you know, it's it's also part of the, the how you take the Torah seriously without taking it literally. literally. That kind of issue. That um, <clears throat> part of the. Part of the fun, um, but more serious than that, of, of Hebrew, of the Hebrew of the Torah, for sure, uh, where they didn't have vowels and whatever, and so you can read the words lots of different ways, uh, and there's no punctuation, so you can read, put commas where you want to put commas and change the meaning of, of phrases, Profound, prof- profoundly, like right? <laughs> profoundly, um, and and therefore blessings is uh, like or any word like uh, Yisrael, you know, um, Yisrael, good, oh, generous. you can pick it apart, and you can say Yisrael means El, straight to God. That, you know, you can read it lots of different ways. So. Um, and and part of uh, Kabbalah and Jewish mysticism is ex- a huge part of it is doing exactly that is taking phrases taking words and searching for alternate meanings within the and directions within the words so that you tr- to try to turn curses into blessings to, you know and uh, to the degree that it works it works because just like any meditation or any because it changes you. What changes you is what matters. I don't think there's a heavenly decree up there that you're changing, that God's saying, I'm about to make that happen, but if you say the right words at the right time, I'll go over there, You know, and the, and the fire will go to somebody else's house. Um, you know, and the fire happened because in my house because we had a plug that was plugged into the wall, and it shorted, and it started an electrical fire in the wall. I could have prayed all I wanted, but it wasn't going to happen in Bert's house because it happened in my house because that's where the that plug. because that's where the plug was, you know. So no more water features in our house. But in any event, you know, I mean, you know what I mean. So that that's the reality. But what matters? None of that matters that much, you know. Because when you think about what really matters in life, it's not none of the physical things of life are the things that matter. It's the spiritual things that matter, and the spiritual things you, you do have control over. Spiritual things, including your attitude about life, your, how you experience the traumas along with the, the triumphs of life, is, is up to you. And the, the language of prayer in, in Jewish tradition, uh, the rituals of prayer and life cycle events, the study of Torah, are all means and opportunities for us to experience life in a certain way. To experience ourselves, our relationships, the world, um, uh, the good and the bad in ways that we can handle, that we can get a, a hold of, and that we can transcend when life becomes difficult. Because life becomes difficult to different people at different times, physically, emotionally, family, relationships. You know, life isn't easy all the time. Life is You know, look at the whole Genesis story is there for a reason. You will give birth in pain. Life is a... you got to go out and struggle for your food. You have to go work. You have to till the soil. That's their version of, you know, you can't just sit back and hope you ever... You had the, you know, lucky sperm club and you ended up with rich parents that gave you everything you wanted. You know, sometimes that works. (laughs) But for most people, it doesn't. (laughs) You know what I mean? Most people have to go out and make their way in with all of the, the complexity and messiness of life. And, and then, in our tradition, this becomes a tool. The Torah is a tool to help us to thrive and to handle life in the best possible way. Ultimately, time flies when I'm having fun. Ultimately, um, you know, the, the blessing of, of Bilam. Is Matovu O Yaakov Mishken Otecha Yisrael, how beautiful are your tents, O Jacob, your dwelling places of Israel, which uh, and it's sort of the kicker of the whole thing. The irony of the whole thing is that these words, which are the first time that our people as a whole are blessed by other than by God, is is a blessing we receive from this non Jewish, non Israelite prophet that we then take and took, and use every single day in Jewish tradition as the very beginning of religious services. Every synagogue service traditionally begins with those very words, that you walk in and say "Matovua alecha yisrael, mishkinotecha yisrael, that, that our tents of meeting become our sanctuaries and our synagogues, and that we've took those words and used them as a kind of a rallying cry for how we're supposed to Have uh, communities of meaning and of holiness. Um, And traditional Jews used to use that opening phrase in order to count the minion to see, you know, a traditional minion, if you're a traditional Jew, was ten men. Men. I remember that part. Ten men. (laughs) And one of the ways that Orthodox Jews used to uh, count was. They would count Ma Tovu Oha Lecha Yaakov. That's how they would count to see if there are ten people. Ma Tovu Oha Lecha Yaakov. Got it. <laughs> and if they could complete the phrase, "How good are your tents, of Jacob?" They could have services. Oh my God! And on that unending.